0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to Murders in Paradise. I am Jen, joined as always by Jaredad. Dad.
1: Good evening. <laughs>
0: Good evening, Jaredad. Dad. Uh, this week, as promised, I'm doing the previously promised and forsaken upon promised <laughs> unsolved crime of the Florida Keys. Dun, dun, dun. It's not the only one. There's lots of unsolved crimes down there. This is just going to be our first unsolved crime on the podcast. Dun, dun, dun. So I thought I would start this one... Um, with sort of a tour of the keys, because of course we know them all really well at this point, but everybody listening probably doesn't know them as well as we do, so I kind of want to explain the geography of the keys. uh so you start in Miami and you drive south on route one, and then you come to Florida City, which is still part of mainland Florida, but it's the end, basically. There's, like, a big gas station, a sheets gas station, I Isn't think. Isn't
1: like, the entrance to the Everglades, too, Florida City? Yeah, you take a right.
0: that's right. So you kind of get down there. There's a four-way intersection. It's, you know, it's, like, Route 1, and then you can take a right and go into the Everglades because um, kind of the whole bottom of Florida, if, it's, if Florida is a finger and you cut your fingertip off, <laughs> the part you cut off would be the Everglades, the whole bottom part of Florida.
1: Particularly graphic
0: (laughs) image. This is a true crime (laughs) podcast, so it feels appropriate. Um, So it's all the Everglades down there. So you can get into them. I mean, they they begin way north of Miami, too. And if you just head west, you'll run into the Everglades. Uh, But yeah, Florida City is like the bottom of mainland Florida. So you can take a right and go into the Everglades, which is heading west. Um, You can't really, I mean, you can take a
1: left. You'd be in the water soon.
0: You'd, You'd end up in the water real soon. Um, and so if you keep going straight in Florida city on route one, you're kind of heading South and that takes you into the keys. So you drive for a bunch of miles through the Everglades. There's just like a road through the Everglades. Uh, it's got like those Jersey barriers in the middle, but they're painted turquoise.
1: It's got a big giant fence on either side
0: to keep the gators off the road. I
1: thought it was mountain lions, but gators too.
0: Keep it all off. (laughs) Keep it off. I thought it was frigates, but whatever, both of them are... They're not mountain lions, though. I think they're Florida panthers down there. Panthers, cougars. Yeah, big giant
1: cats. It's the same kind of cat, isn't it? Is just where it is?
0: The, this is not a thing I know. It's
1: like Sasquatch is Yeti.
0: <sighs> okay. <laughs> Yeti's also kept off the road by the fence. It's a very tall fence. <laughs> it's a very tall fence. Uh-huh. <laughs> so you drive through that for probably 20 minutes, half an hour. Yeah. And then you come to... Key Largo. So Key Largo is the first of the Florida Keys, and then the Florida Keys is an island chain that stretches kind of southwest until so you
1: get to Key West. Key Largo uh, song and a movie.
0: Indeed, I think people go like, okay, Key Largo's the Keys, but they don't realize that actually it's pretty close to Miami.
1: And it's like the first part. It's, it's like the, the very first least key. Least Keysy part of the Keys.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I mean you can definitely feel a difference between Key Largo and. Florida city or whatever, some, you know, suburbs of Miami, it's definitely different. Um, but it is also a lot different than the lower keys. So the keys are broken up into kind of three parts, the upper, the middle and the lower keys. Um, and then key West would be the end. And then if you, if you want to, Here's what the mansplainer would say. Well, actually, the Keys don't end with Key West. They actually keep going for like 90 miles until you get to the Dry Tortugas. Uh, But you can't get to them unless you take like a plane or a boat. So the road goes to Key West and uh, there's not...
1: Mile marker zero is in Key West.
0: Yeah, that's the end of Route 1. And uh, there's not a ton of islands between Key West and the Dry Tortugas. So Dry Tortugas National Park, the most remote of the national parks, um, totally worth a visit. Is
1: that part of the Keys?
0: It is. is. It is the last key.
1: The Marquesas in the, are in the middle there somewhere, too.
0: Yeah, you keep saying that, and I believe you. Well... But I don't know about these things.
1: I think we flew over them to get to the dry tortuga.
0: Yeah. Uh, so, totally worth a visit if you're down there. You can take a whole day and, like, take a boat, and they give you lunch. We took a seaplane. which was cool. They, like, land on the water and then just drive it onto the beach, and you get to get out. <laughs> yeah. um, and you can camp out there, which I think would be very beautiful because it's totally dark. Uh, anyway... All right, so back to, like, the actual part of the keys that you could go to. Upper, middle, lower keys. So the upper keys are Key Largo, which is the first one. Once you get out of the Everglades into the keys, Key Largo is the first one. And then Isla Mirada is up there, which is actually a bunch of islands. Um, it stands for, it means Purple Island in Spanish, or Purple Islands. Um, and that's kind of a chain of them. And, uh, and that's the upper keys. The middle keys is basically marathon now there's a ton of little islands grouped in here but marathon is a pretty big island and it's like 10 miles long maybe even a little longer than that um that's the middle keys real skinny and so the, all of them are real skinny yeah it's like somebody just drew a little line like a comma yeah. under uh under florida and uh the upper keys you have a lot of miami influence because it's easy for people to get from miami to there it's like a half hour 45 minute drive um, the further down towards Key West you get, the more Caribbean and less Miami it becomes.
1: Yeah, the more Jimmy Buffett.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, marathon is sort of the end of... Whoa, 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 oh, queso. So. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that was queso uh, tripping over our equipment and She's unplugging a terrible sound mixer. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> okay, um... Your, so as I was marathon. saying, mm-hmm. marathon is sort of the end of, um, capitalist America in the Keys. Like you got your fast food restaurants. Um, there's a pizza hut. There's a pizza hut. I mean, there's like a Home Depot, there's like grocery stores, there's fast food restaurants. It used and to stuff. be a hospital. Uh, yeah. The, the Fisherman's Hospital in Middle Keys where I went one time to the emergency room. They were very nice. Um, yeah, it was, uh. It had just been purchased by one of these big hospitals. I don't know if it's Cigna or whatever. Nova or Med- one of those. Med-Vac, yeah. uh, they bought it in August of 2017, and in September of 2017, Hurricane Irma came through and totally just dist- literally destroyed the hospital. It did not exist for a while. Uh, but there's like three hospitals in the Keys. There's one like up in the Upper Keys, and then the Middle Keys, like Mile Marker 55, 60. There's Fisherman's Hospital, and then there's one in Key West. Because there's not that many people, but they're all really far apart, so you need that one in the middle. So for over a year, they were operating with, like, field Army field tents was the hospital. Uh, Yeah. And then, and so eventually... They're, you know, this hospital system that bought it, they're like, well, we have to rebuild it, like, you need a hospital there. And so they brought in all of these trailers. So it's kind of like schools where they're like, the school's too small, and you got like all the mobile classrooms. That's what the hospital is now. And so they were putting those all together. And... Uh, it was set to open. They had taken all the tents down. And literally the day before it was open, like, the inspectors were coming through. I'm like, all the sprinkler systems weren't up to code. So they weren't allowed to open. So they had to close until they could fix
1: it. So they had neither tents nor trailers nothing. nor hospital. No, this. they
0: had to move all the, like, patients. It was terrible.
1: The problem is it's an hour from Key West and it's an hour from Key Lago. It's, like, right in the middle.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's right in the middle. So, um, yeah. Anyway, they're up and functioning again. But it's going to take, like, Farther years in millions of dollars to build a new proper hospital there um but yeah so that's kind of the end of commercial stuff i mean there's a ton of independent stuff all through the keys once you get out of marathon though and get into the lower keys which is where we live um there's not much there you know key west has a little bit because it's a you know there's 25,000 people who live there so they've got a sort of strip of commercial stuff that we've talked about um But if you want to go to McDonald's, you have to go to Marathon or Key West. Like, that's it. They're 50 miles apart. There's not anything in between. There's no, none of that stuff. Everything's independent. Um, So the Lower Keys are kind of the most isolated, most rural. There's no, like, apartment buildings and stuff. This is kind of excluding Key West, which is its own thing. Um, It's just kind of houses. There's people there who are off the grid, you know, Big Pine Key, People who have cisterns and solar panels, um, you know, they're, we're hooked up fully to the grid. Um, but like they just put sewer in sort of recently at our house. Like you, you know, people had septic fields and, um, and no water, no, (laughs) no no water because the water comes in one pipe along the road from the mainland. So if that water pipe breaks, like it did in Hurricane Irma, you don't have any water lower down,
1: um, and this is what we talked about. If you come out, you go take a right on Route 1, and then it's at the next light, there's the There's the Wind dixie but yep. that's 17 miles away. Yep. You know.
0: Yeah, it's all, there's not a lot down there in the lower keys. Um, so to get from the middle keys to the lower keys, you go across the 7-mile bridge. It is a bridge that's 7 miles long, not surprising, and uh, you come out at the... Uh, the kind of southern slash western end of the seven-mile bridge in Bahia Honda State Park, which is on Bahia Honda Key. Um, it's a very beautiful sandy beach. There's not a ton of sandy beaches in the Keys, but this is one. And uh, lots of people camp there. People go in there and have their picnics and fishing expeditions and stuff. And uh, and then you get into Big Pine Key, and uh, if you keep going for whatever, 35, 40 miles, you end up in Key West at the end. So that's sort of the geography. So we'll talk, I think, probably a lot about like the upper keys or the middle keys or the lower keys. And it's not exact, but basically like divide the keys into thirds and upper means closer to Miami. Yeah. Um, So that's just a little tour of the keys. And we talk about a lot of stuff when we're talking about the geography, like where stuff happened, where you give the mile marker. So mile marker zero is in Key West. Um, Mile marker 100 is in Key Largo and it goes up a little higher than that. And so that kind of gives you a sense of where you are. Uh, the lower keys go up to about mile marker forty, and the upper keys go down to about mile marker sixty, and then the middle keys are the middle. Does that sound fair? Have I covered all of the sounds reasonable
1: important markers? Yes.
0: Okay. All right. So the story that we are gonna talk about today is the story of Valentine Doe. Oh. So uh, this is an unidentified Woman, not only is the this crime unsolved, the victim is unidentified.
1: So instead of Jane, they called her Valentine? Valentine,
0: Doe, no, because she was found on Valentine's Day, 1991. <sighs> oh. Now here's the story that we know. It is Valentine's Day, 1991. Um, this girl is spotted walking along Route 1, which you can sort of do. Um, a lot of it has walkways, and, and frankly, even the parts that don't, people walk along the side of the road all the time, down in the Keys. So she's seen walking along Route 1. Um, some people report her at mile marker 10. So that's on Big Coppet, Key, 10 miles. So mile marker 10, that means it's 10 miles from the end of Route 1. Um, Key West, actually, I think mile markers 4 through 0 are in Key West. So it's like 6 miles from Key West or 10 miles from downtown. But
1: there's not much at Big Copet Key.
0: No, Big Coppet has like a gas couple gas stations and, uh, yeah, a boat place
1: probably
0: yeah um so they see her at mile marker 10 in big Coppet, um and then later in the afternoon somebody else says they see her at mile marker 15 this is around 6 30 p.m and then at mile marker 17 later that night which is where we live yeah um i mean we live off there's our road Sugar comes up Sugarloaf Key, Mm -hmm. Um, that's where our house is. So when you get to mile marker 17, you take a turn and then eventually run into our house.
1: Sugarloaf Lodge.
0: Yeah, Sugarloaf Lodge is right there. And it's interesting, a lot of these places that they're mentioning are um, where the bus stops. So there's a a Lower Keys bus that basically runs from Key West uh, up to Marathon and then back just in a loop. And I I think there's two buses and they just kind of run in circles all day. So all of these places, mile marker 10, 15, 17 are where there's bus stops. So mm-hmm. I wonder if like some people say she was hitchhiking, but I just, these mile markers makes me think of maybe she had stopped and was like sitting in one of the bus shelters or something. Um, she's wearing a purple and pink horizontal striped cardigan. The brand is Forenza, which I feel like I know, um, just like from, you know, being in middle school at that time, it looks sort of like something a middle schooler would mm-hmm. wear, uh, though she was definitely older than that. um, she has a pair of shorts that I think are cut off jeans. So they're like about knee length, but it, it but they're rolled at the bottom. And it looks sort of like she had a pair of jeans that she literally like cut off hmm. and then rolled a couple times. And so they're sort of long. And then she had these weird kind of moccasins, um, but they come up to her ankles. So it's sort of like a kind of Native American style moccasin. They're black with like pink and turquoise ditching, and then a kind of fuzzy part. I don't know if it's like a sweater kind of knit material or something that comes up like higher than the ankles. So it's oh. a weird length. It's like higher than an ankle boot, a little bit shorter than like a pair of Uggs, um, but they're not thick on the inside. Hmm. So first thing that this tells you is this girl is not from the Keys because you don't wear any stuff like that in the Keys. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, yeah.
0: Yeah, even in February, um, I mean, there's the occasional cold day, but this is not if it's cold in February, people are wearing like parkas if it's like sixty-five yeah, degrees. Um, people gen- typically are not wearing kind of longer pants and sweaters and cardigans. Mocusons, cardigans. No. Yeah, it's yes. just not no. I mean it's a kind of beachy place. It's not what people wear. We'll come back, we'll talk more about that. So uh that's what she's wearing. So the last time she is seen is the night of Valentine's Day, 1991. Last spotted at mile marker 17. Maybe hitchhiking, maybe walking. But she's um,
1: walking away from Key West.
0: Yep, walking north of Key West, and apparently has been walking all day uh, because <laughs> yeah, you would. You'd have to be coming from Key West. There's nowhere to be coming from if you're like on Big Coppet Key, walking north. There's nothing except Key West.
1: Yeah, the Naval Air Base, but that would be kind of accounted for, and you'd be registered and missed.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that is February 14th, the next day, February 15th at Bahia Honda state park, um, which is the park that we mentioned. It's at the end of the seven mile bridge, mile marker 35 on route one. Um, so this is, this is a big park. I mean, it's a mile or two long on that key. It's kind of the whole key. Uh, there's windsurfers that were camping there at the park. And they found her nude body on a dirt trail in a heavily wooded area um, south of the bridge. And uh, this is known as the Horseshoe, on technically on West Summerland Key. But it's sort of a, a part of Bahia Honda State Park that people would illegally camp at, which makes it sound weird. But there's just nothing there on Bahia Honda Key. It's just ocean and grasses and trees. And there's like a... There's a little campground, I think, like if you have a truck or an RV, um, you know, a couple picnic tables, but that's it. So illegal camping just means like you're in a part of nature that they would prefer you don't put your tent in.
1: It probably feels the same whether you're on the legal part or the illegal part, like it's, it's the same sand.
0: Yeah, yeah. And uh, so anyway, her naked body is found there um, by wind surfers. She's dead. So, uh, they call the cops, cops come down and they start searching. And, uh, so she's found kind of in this wooded area off a of, like little dirt road, but it's not a road that you would drive on. You kind of can't really get in there. Um, but they find some blood on the dirt road and then in the dirt, they see drag marks. Hmm. So clearly someone dragged her body and like her heels left drag marks and they follow those and then they find her clothes. Um, kind of off in the woods. So, uh, she has been dead for less than 24 hours at this point. She was sexually assaulted, beaten, uh, and then strangled with the strings of her bikini top, which she must've had on under Jeez. the clothes. So, uh, you can see those crime scene photos online. We are not going to post those. Um, cause it just looks like a beaten up girl. Like there's nothing useful there. Um, So two different witnesses from this horseshoe area where they were camping uh, both said that they saw an older model white pickup truck with a camper shell driven by two white males. Um, They had seen it there on the 14th, maybe on the 15th, and I think a couple days before. So it doesn't mean that it necessarily had anything to do with it. People camp out there all the time, Um, but they don't know who was driving that car. People of interest. Yeah, people of interest.
1: Could be witnesses. Could be more than witnesses.
0: So if you know anyone who in 1991 was driving a white truck on Valentine's Day at Bahia Honda State Park, um, called Monroe County Sheriff. So here's what they know about the victim, uh, who they just call Valentine Doe because she hasn't been identified. Uh, She was not from the Keys. Her clothes kind of indicated that, and I hinted at that. Um, They think that she probably was in Key West and then walked north like we talked about, but... She didn't live in Key West, both because of the, clor- the clothes and, uh, you know, she wasn't wearing sneakers or sandals, which is basically the only thing anybody wears down in the Keys. And she didn't have any tan lines, uh-huh. which no matter what you do, if you live in the Keys, you absolutely will have tan lines. You'll have them, even if you wear long sleeves, you'll have them on your hands because there's just sun all the time. You can't avoid it. So... uh, The lack of tan lines, they go, obviously, she's from somewhere up north and came down. Um, So they did an autopsy, and they found a bunch of interesting stuff, though nothing that let them identify her. So they don't really know how old she was. Her estimated age, um, 14 to 25, 16 to 25.
1: That's a big range.
0: Yeah, so she was fairly young, uh, but she did have a baby. And they think that she carried the baby to full term. So the baby was not with her. Yeah. Um, but you can kind of tell from changes in the pelvis when someone has delivered a baby. She had stretch marks um, that, I mean, women get stretch marks even if they don't have babies, uh, which apparently some dudes don't know if that happens. Um, but it, you know, they could tell from all these things that she had had a baby. So, you know, that could happen at 14, but maybe was a little bit older than that. Um, she was white, female. It's, it got kind of a range for her height, which is baffling to me because, like, they had the body. But uh, the Center for Missing and Exploited Children, I think, is where I found this. Maybe because they estimate her age to be young. The FBI also has a page about her. Um, so they say 5'4 to 5'7, 130 to 145 pounds. So she was just kind of, like, average, normal weight. Um, dark brown hair, straight, cut just above the collar. Brown to green eyes. Again, I don't know why they couldn't tell all of this, like from the body, Uh, because she hadn't. It's not like she was decomposing. They found her, you know, less than a day after she disappeared. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So she was a non-smoker. Her ears were pierced four times, and you can even see this in the crime scene photos, all on the bottom part, like not on the kind of top arch of the ear. There's Just just
1: the lobe.
0: Yes, four, four kind of in a row. Um, she had ovarian and fallopian tube cysts, like pretty bad ones that they say would have caused her a lot of pain and discomfort. Mm. Um, she would have had, she would have gone to the hospital for them. So I've seen some speculation that she, that say, oh yeah, she went to the hospital or went to a clinic in Key West. Um, but I didn't see that corroborated anywhere. So it could just be, she was, vis- you know, Maybe she came down to Key West and had been there for a couple of days, uh, not enough time to get tan lines. And, you know, if you've been to your doctor at home, you're not going to go to the doctor when you're on vacation. So there's yeah. nothing that kind of says. But but these were pretty serious um, and would have caused her a lot of abdominal pain. Uh, really good dental work. Her teeth were straight. She clearly went to the dentist a whole bunch. Um, like had ex- they, they called it? This was interesting. Expensive northern dental work. <laughs>
1: what? Not the cheap Floridian dental I, work.
0: I guess, uh, but I don't even know what that means. But that's what they said. So,
1: boom, the keys have bad teeth. This very I haven't strange.
0: noticed it as a problem. No. In the keys bad teeth, but um, she also had two tattoos. So. One is the word love with a heart around it, and that's on her upper left arm, kind of going onto her shoulder. And then between her thumb and her forefinger, she had a little cross with sun rays coming out of it. Um, and then she also had anemia, which they could tell like from her skeleton. Um, So before she died, she was anemic, and they could tell that from her bones, apparently.
1: That just means low... Iron, right? It's not an eating disorder. That's an, that's something
0: else. That's anorexia. Anorexia. Yeah. Anemia usually means low iron, though you can be anemic from other vitamins and things. But iron probably is what they mean here. Um, and there's some. I read some speculation that that cross with the little sun rays coming out of it. There's you can think of like a little ray coming out, like just a little line. This looks like a something you could draw with a pen. A little line, kind of in each of the quadrants of the cross, like that. Apparently. Uh, like some South or Central American cultures have that. And someone was like, oh, it's a gang sign. But oh like God. she was a white girl. She was not Hispanic. Um, and there someone's like, well, maybe she was dating a guy in one of these gangs. So like, I mean, I guess it could just be that she wanted like a little radiating cross too. <laughs> so who knows? Um, th- but yeah, there's so there's some good uh reconstructions that they have done so there's like some composite sketches um some kind of busts that sort of show her head and shoulders and what she would have looked like in different hairstyles but all of them are really specific she's got this kind of tiny little button nose that's turned up like a really distinguishing characteristic is that she's got this little turned up nose uh, which you also can see um in the crime scene photos if you take a look at it um and and that seems to be the most distinguishing thing. But she's otherwise...
1: I mean, the tattoos are pretty easy to identify, too. I mean, it wouldn't be hard if they had a description or someone who knew her.
0: I mean, that's the surprising thing, right? Like, so she has expensive dental work. So yeah. it's not like... I mean, she could have run away or something, but she... She's, like, well-fed. I mean, she's, like, perfectly in the normal range. It's not like she was living on the street, was homeless. Like, she seems... Like, her clothes... They actually have pictures of her clothes that you can see, like, on the FBI website and on um, the Doe Project, which has all these unidentified people. Like, her clothes are in good shape. Um, So she's not... One of these people that you think wouldn't be missed because they have fallen on hard times or they're living these sort of lives that take them out of whatever mainstream society where people are keeping track of them. It doesn't seem like that. It seems like she is coming from someplace that had like a decent amount of money, not that she was like super rich, but like if you're poor, you don't get your teeth well taken care of um unfortunately right mm-hmm. like it's expensive and she, i mean she, it sounds like she had fillings maybe had braces like she had uh, a
1: kid at some point too so it's like someone connection connection right? yeah She's not she shouldn't just fall off the face of the earth
0: yeah and so like how is it that this person who comes down from the north uh you know whether it's the u.s or canada with
1: her expensive dental work
0: With her expensive northern dental work and, uh, you know, decent clothes and good shape is not missed by anyone, not reported missing. I mean, it, it has to be some situation where people were like, oh, she's moving or she's like they expected her to go away. And so they're like, we've lost touch or even her family could be like, well... You know, she said she was moving for this job and now she doesn't want to talk to us anymore. And like, they may be sad and they may be suspicious, but not enough to like file a missing persons report because it's 1991. So it's not like you can call her on a cell phone. You don't know where she is or where to look for her. Um, I mean, that would be my guess, right? It has to, it can't just be like, oh, she told someone she's going on vacation and she'll be back in three days and then they never hear from her and all these people who it seems like she would have in her life who would know that she exists and is doing stuff, then don't do anything. But there, there can't be on. a missing persons report,
1: right? I mean, you think they would line it up with the body that was found, right? Isn't that the whole point of the missing person report? Yeah. And huh.
0: uh, this website that has her on it, the Doe Project, it's a really interesting website. The, this was started, and I, I don't have all the details of the story in front of me, but basically there was um a body of a woman found in um like a a tarp that circuses used to carry like the big top tent right kind of like a big giant canvas bag that the tent would be circuses mm. they called her the tent girl they found her body in this bag along the side of the road and uh, and she was unidentified. So this one, this guy, I don't know if he was working construction, but he, he had sort of a blue collar job, was out there working, found her body in this little town in somewhere, I think Kansas or Iowa, like somewhere in the middle of the country. Um, They couldn't figure out who she was. It's in this little town. Nobody knew her. So she wasn't from the town.
1: It was the circus.
0: Yeah. Well, so they, the town buried her body. They like got her a headstone oh. and it, you know, it says... Uh, tent girl on her headstone. Oh, no. And then it's got like all of her stuff. We found her on this day. Here's like height, weight, all of this stuff, kind of all this information, which of course you don't need to put on the headstone, but they did that
1: for well, her. Well, they didn't want to be dug up all the time.
0: Yeah. So, uh, so that guy finds the body and they, uh, the town buries her. Uh, the guy who found the body, he has a daughter and she grows up. And marries this guy who moves to the town. And this guy is talking to his father-in-law, the one who found the body, and becomes like totally obsessed with this story. And it, like his hobby is trying to figure out who this girl is. Uh-huh. And so it's now like the early 2000s. You can like get online, maybe in the late 90s. I don't know if he's getting on AOL, but he starts just like going to all these message boards, like posting all this stuff, trying to figure out who this girl is. And eventually someone posts a thing saying, you know, my sister went missing at this time. Here's, you know, what she looked like. And the son-in-law is like, oh, I know it's her. It's totally her. Starts talking to the woman who posted it. And, uh, and, and he's like, I just could tell. Right. And she had a picture. It looks kind of like the composite that they had drawn. So they exhume the body. They do a DNA test and it is the sister. Um, so the son in law of the guy who found the body in the first case yeah. becomes obsessed and then ends up helping this body get uh, identified. And the, it's interesting, the family. So the husband did it. By the way, the ah. the husband of the woman who had who worked at, worked for the circus. Um, why they couldn't figure this out, I don't know. But uh, anyway, they
1: called her Circus Tent Girl. They have no idea where where she might have been gone missing. Yeah.
0: So uh, anyway, just, husband been did the it. Same
1: <laughs> since the circuits came to town and <laughs> Tent Girl died. Yeah.
0: Um, so she was living with the husband, and I don't know. He was abusive, and he killed her. Uh, he goes to jail, but the family. I think he went to jail. He may have been dead. Anyway, he didn't just get away with it. Mm. Uh, but the family of Tent Girl uh, decided to leave her buried there. So they just reburied her in this town, and they put an, an additional marker on top of the one that the town had had. Huh. Um, so he's telling you that story because that guy, the son-in-law, uh, who had helped identify this body, went on to start this website Uh, this project the doe network Mm. which basically collects all this information about unidentified bodies and i think they have identified like just with this kind of web slew thing identified like 70 missing persons there's some statistic i was just listening to that's like there's forty thousand unclaimed dead bodies in the u.s that are just unidentified and at any time there's something like seven don't quote me on these numbers but like 70 or eighty thousand missing people and so now the dead bodies don't map one-to-one to to missing people but there's like a lot of missing people who are probably dead and there are bodies that we don't know who they are um so he kind of started this project to do this matching she's on that network and so there's people and this is a very popular case like it's been covered all over the place. Uh, there's people who have been looking at it, and I think if there were a missing person's report, someone would have found it. And, you know, you're exactly right. The tattoos alone are pretty distinctive. They would have found her, so it looks like there wasn't one. Weird. Mysteries. Um, so anyway, we'll post uh, links in the description to the FBI and the uh, the Center for... I think is the Center for Missing Exploited Children and the Doe Project, so you can get some of this background. You can see the pictures and... Uh, Maybe one of you will figure out who it is, but it seems to be one of those long-term unsolved crimes of uh, of the Florida Geese.
1: It's weird. I mean, I guess the police don't really f- pursue it as a homicide if there's nobody to help them. I mean, they you know. Yeah, she I was mean, like clearly murdered. I mean. Yeah. Raped, I, Murdered. Like, I, yeah. Dumped,
0: uh, and. But they, yeah, like, what are they gonna look at? The they, I have given you all the
1: leads. Like, three
0: people said they saw her walking on Route One, and then there's this one truck, and that's it. So, Mm -hmm. uh, and it doesn't
1: asshole got away with it.
0: Yeah, basically. You ready for the happy dog story? I am
1: after that. Yeah, I like the solved ones where if someone goes to jail, that's a good one. Yeah. Those are good.
0: This is a dog basically getting busted out of dog jail. Excellent. Uh, So, this is a dog in the Memphis animal shelter. Um, He fell in love with his bowl in the shelter
1: his so food
0: bowl his food bowl. His little metal food bowl he picks it up kind of snoopy style in his mouth every picture of him at the shelter was him standing at like the bars of his cage with his food bowl in his mouth looking sad at the camera and uh, he kind of went viral on the internet and oh. uh, some people adopted him uh, so he did find a home because he was so cute his name is Oliver and uh, they let him take his bowl home with him <laughs> and the picture is of like the two women who adopted him and him and he's got his bowl in his mouth <laughs> So uh, it's just a nice little story of what's, what's his name?
1: Oliver. Oliver.
0: Oliver. He looks sort of like a pit bull mix. He was a stray, loved his food, loved his treats. They posted him on Facebook, and uh, yeah, he got shared nine thousand times. Tons of people loved him. He was at risk to be euthanized because he was not in a no kill shelter. And uh, anyway, some people came and adopted him, and he got to take his bowl home, and it's a happy ending.
1: Dop dogs people. yep
0: yep good job oliver so uh
1: there you go palate cleanser indeed mm-hmm.
0: any final business before we sign off
1: no this is like real sad though
0: yep um it's a true crime podcast so they're all gonna be sort of sad but yeah maybe for next week we'll try to find one with like a super righteous ending or like an i survived one yeah Right, we're has to be,
1: like, does it have to be murder? Should, that kind of has to be murder. It can't just be pelican abuse or something like that.
0: I mean, the, the podcast is called Murders in Paradise. <laughs> we could maybe do Attempted Murders in Paradise.
1: Attempted pe- pelican murder?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps.
1: Not that I have anything in mind. No. Um, I, I do. I do. I do have something in mind.
0: <laughs> pelican Man, we talk about extensively on the other podcast. Yeah, I know.
1: Um, it's not a murder. It's not... True crime. But it is
0: an asshole going to jail, which is pretty satisfying. Uh, it's, it's amazing how much
1: easier just to solve a crime when it's on video.
0: Yeah. <laughs> if you're going to commit a crime and you don't want to get caught, maybe don't post a video of it on Facebook.
1: No kidding. He posted it himself.
0: Yeah. He's like, check out this shit I did. <laughs> and they're like, you will come back to jail now.
1: Look at me doing crimes. He's in
0: jail now. Idiot. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll try to find us a good one for next week to uplift your spirits a little bit.
1: Thank you. That's uh,
0: good. Until then, don't conk out.
1: Bye. Bye.